Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Welcome to this week's show. Joining me this week, Jeremy and Gretchen. Welcome, Bill Snodgrass. Welcome. Hey. Hello. Hi. So, (laughs) you know... uh, (laughs) <laughs> oh boy, it's hot. I think we're all a little bit brain fried right now and we're all going through it. Even up in the Pacific Northwest, they're predicting 111 degrees this week, which is just uh, insane, you know? And uh, you guys down there have a lot of heat, but it's just, um, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe I need to move to Alaska or something at this point, <laughs> but uh, Iceland. Whoop, yeah. At, at Iceland, point, yeah. I, I, I take Antarctica at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's just, it, it's amazing. We'll all get through it, but it's, uh, it's very difficult, especially on the the more vulnerable people that don't have air conditioning or live on the street or that type of thing. And, you know, they've got the cooling shelters open and all that kind of stuff. But hopefully, you know, everybody's going to get through this without dying. But uh, I think we have another week, although the summer's another five weeks. So we'll see how this goes. But on a more positive note, this week or last week, rather, was the San Diego Comic-Con, San Diego International Comic-Con International. I can get that name right eventually. And they had a lot of cool stuff. First time it's been really back in person since the pandemic. They've done a few things, but this is the first big one. They had a good turnout. So far, it looks like nobody got sick. So all in all, this is a good thing. And a lot of news that's come out of that that we're going to be covering a little bit later in the show. Another interesting story is our Tech Wednesday this week. And how much would you pay to recover a hard drive? I think this might be a record, and I'll leave it at that. Check it out here a little bit later in the show. All right. So I know we've got some news this week and, you know, again, 2020 or 2022 rather has been called the year of the robot. We're seeing this a lot, drones and everything else. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. And what's our first story? A 14 year old boy saved by drone lifeguard in Spain. Yeah. See, that was a segue. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Mm, Yes. Yes. No, this is actually kind of a cool story. This is a situation that they're using drones, uh, again, because of personnel shortage in some ways and just because the technology works. And they had a young boy who was 14 years old, as the headline says, that was out. And the drone was able to pull him out of the water and save his life and do it quite successfully. So So, is this a big drone or, or, you know, like one of those big ones or was it? What what kind of drone it, was it? It would be okay. It would be a, something like it's a good question. Something like this would be a larger drone because uh-huh. you're looking at the weight that it has to be able to carry. Uh-huh. So there's limitations based on the size of the drone of how much it can pick up. So you're definitely looking at something that's a little larger size here. This isn't the little one that you would fly with your remote control hmm. out, you know, up to 300 so feet. So it, it was a flying one as opposed to a water based one. I believe it was, yeah. It was. It, I think it was one where it can work in both situations, because in a, cool. in a setup like the, the, you would need, you know, that type of a thing, because it's going to have to work in water, but it's also going to have to work in the air. Hmm. Astronomers at MIT pick up mysterious signals. Yeah, these these type of things you're always wondering. Okay, what's going on? We've been <laughs> through SETI and a number of other things, monitoring space for signals for years from the aliens or whatever and at the end of the day there has not been a lot of success in that but it has discovered a lot of things from a scientific standpoint that are kind of cool and this is something that recently happened it's a mysterious radio signal pulsing with constant regularity called a fast radio burst 
<laughs> and these have been detected. The idea of this is nothing new. They usually last a few milliseconds. But what's so unusual on this is that it's extremely powerful and it lasted a full three seconds. And yes, in this type of a situation, three seconds is a lot. And it issued radio waves that were peaks, like a heartbeat. That's rare. They think it's caused by a neutron star, which rotates and emit radio waves from the other end, similar to like a lighthouse, how that would work. But it is definitely one of the most prevalent ones that they found so far. And it is something that they're saying is far, far away. So there you are. But yeah, I was hoping they were finding Purgle. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think, I, not yet, not yet. That, that would be a bigger headline, I think. <laughs> okay. Facebook forsakes friends and family to compete with TikTok. Oh yes, Facebook. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I I don't know what to say about this. I mean, it has its good and its bad, and uh, we still promote ourselves on on Facebook and have a lot of our listeners there, and all of that works really well. I use it to talk to friends and that type of a thing. But I, it seems like Facebook is going through this evolutionary process, and I'm not entirely sure it's for the positive. Mm. I, I back in the day with with the games like Farmville and all that wasted a lot of time, but it was something to do and it was something that you could enjoy. <laughs> I think most of that's gone now. At least I haven't played those type of games. Jeremy, Bill, do you guys, do they even still have games on Facebook? They do. Um, Zynga has been a problem, though. Uh, that was a company that did all the, most of the Facebook games. Uh, I mean, there's still a few. It's not quite the same. But uh, like I said, I use it to just play the video game. So, yeah, it just, you know, and it got very political for a while. That seems to be a little bit better now. But now they're wanting to compete with TikTok with live videos and all that kind of thing. Now, I can kind of understand this from a business model because you do Mm -hmm. want to keep up with the current stuff. But it seems like the way they're implementing it is taking away what little bit remained of the original reasons we all used Facebook. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we can bind all of that together somehow. And I have nothing against videos or any of that kind of thing. But I I don't know if, if you had someone that used Facebook 10 years ago and jumped on it today, I don't even think they'd know it was the same platform. No, probably not. Okay, uh, Seagate announces 30 terabyte hard drives are coming in 2023, and a 50 terabyte hard drive in 2026. So when I got my 10 terabyte hard drive, I thought I had the biggest one on the market. Maybe Uh that isn't (laughs) so true. (laughs) So I mean, how how much biggest one? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you how much. Thank you for that. How much storage do we need? You know, Now, I know with the 10 terabyte, I do a lot of video. And in 4K, I actually do use most of it. So I haven't filled it up yet, but it is definitely something where as our files get bigger, we do need more capacity. And it seems like with the technology shrinking and things expanding and all that kind of stuff, this is certainly possible. A company like Seagate or Western Digital is probably going to be able to do it where it works well. But the thing of it is, is this introduces a lot of logistical challenges. Beyond the fact of just having a huge hard drive, it's how do you back it up? All of your backup infrastructure would not fit this much information. Uh, we're looking at 50 terabytes. So if one drive is 50 terabyte and the average desktop computer can actually host four hard drives now, we don't use CDs much anymore. So you have 200 terabytes of storage conceivably. Hmm. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but on the flip side, if you are dealing with Working with very large files and 4K, 8K. See, this is the other thing, too. Most 4K production is actually shot in 8K or higher now. So you're looking at just huge, huge things from that standpoint. That's Video is not the only industry that uses this, but it is 
you know, it is the one where I know could actually benefit from something like this. But, but my goodness, my 200 terabyte computer, although, you know, not so long ago, a 200 gigabyte storage capacity would have been a big deal. But at that time, they were talking about we weren't going to need hard drives anymore because everything was going to be on the cloud. I guess that didn't happen. Yeah. The computer folder is 40 years old. How the Xerox Star created the desktop. Yeah, speaking of such things, <laughs> I believe that um, press release had something to do with Xerox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it is true. The idea of a graphical desktop turns 40 this year. And what they're talking about there is the idea where you can open and have a representation of a desk. This was put together on this particular description in 1981 by Xerox. They called it the 8010 Information System was first computer to use the graphical desktop where it has folders. And what they did is the person that put this together is looked around his office and just decided what is around me and how would this work? You know, what, what is everything that we are dealing with? And at the end of the day, what would it be... A, workable to put it on the computer. And that's how they put it together. And that's how this went into place. So the idea of a manila folder, all that kind of stuff originated in these very, very first graphical operating systems, black and white. The computer, by the way, cost uh, it, in those dollars, $16,595, so about 51 grand today. Hmm. The CPU was AMD. Your memory was 384K. And your storage was an 8-inch floppy disk, 600K. If you did have a hard drive, which at that price you probably should, we were just talking about you know 50 terabytes, they started out about 10 megabyte. I remember and, having uh, looking at a hard drive that was 1 megabyte for my Atari desktop, and that was yeah, and what, $500. And that was the, yeah, that was was like, the cost oh, of that was a megabyte. <laughs> so... I, I know it just you know, it's amazing to see where these things have gone. I remember eight inch floppies and all of this stuff. And you know, for anybody that wants to see this, they still have a machine like this set up. Actually, a couple of them at their museum, and you can go check it out. Check with Xerox to get the information, and location of all of that. But it'd be kind of cool to go and see that. Well, this is User Friendly 2.0. We got a great show for you this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer. Well, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, uh, I'm on location today at the production of a film called The Swindlers. It's a uh, very, very short Western film that was written by uh, Demetria Lyonakis. Did I pronounce that correctly? Okay, good. Um, so Demetria is sitting down with us to talk about this film. And Demetria, welcome to User-Friendly. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so this is not our first project together. I mean, we, uh, working with Doc Durden, uh, may he rest in peace. We do miss him greatly. Uh, he produced and directed a film called The Lady Jesse James. You were one of uh, The Lady Jesse James' posse. Bank robbing, not a nice person, but it was an opportunity where you and I first worked together. Uh, tell me a little bit about where you came up with the idea for the swindlers. Well, we lost Doc, and he was our main scriptwriter. 
and there's a lot of actors and actresses up in Virginia City. We had a, a pretty much a big void. It was a very sad time. And just one night out of nowhere, I was just thinking, what can we do? I just, I always say I have a beam up to the universe. I just got hit with this idea. So I had to research poker because it was going to be taking place at a saloon. I had to uh, research some saloon girls. And uh, there's like a romance story. Then there's a, a poker game and a gunfight. And then we have a bounty hunter, which is myself. And then I have a sidekick, Hawk, and we go out looking for this guy who robbed a bank and killed two women, him and his gang. So I try to add a, a lot of spice in there, and I think it's going to be really fun, a really great short film for everyone to enjoy. Who can get past romance and a gunfight? I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's great. And the saloon girls dancing, you know, we're just trying to take you back to a certain era of what would be going on. So I just I just thought, you know what? I'm going to do a lot of things. It's just going to look like a real saloon. The poker game, the saloon dancers, the lovers, the swindlers that are the lovers on the poker game, and then the poker players. And then we have the bounty hunters coming in at the very end. So I think it's good, great fun. It, it has been so far. I mean, we went through the process of uh, a lot of casting. And and what's neat about that is that we're using a lot of the people that uh, are used to making films up in Virginia City and just the surrounding you know Northern Nevada Territory. So they're used to the the low budget. They're they're doing this because the kind of the same reason that we do it is because we love it so much. We're not ma we're not going to be rich off of what we're doing, but where these are kind of labors of love. Because we do enjoy the the art of filmmaking, we do enjoy the process of visual storytelling. When we were doing Lady Jesse James, I learned something about you that I found very very interesting, and that is in your previous life you did a lot of wardrobe work in Hollywood. So you actually come from the the real true film industry out in L.A. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up doing wardrobe in Hollywood. Uh, it definitely was a starving artist, and you definitely do need to get to know people because they will, a lot of times I went home in tears, so kids, get your box of Kleenex ready, and don't give up because just keep working towards your goal. Uh, I did on my way work on some costumes at one theater group that was working on Star Trek things, so I had the pleasure of meeting Jim Lynn, who did a few of the Star Trek series. And uh, we hit it off really well. He gave me a written recommendation that I took over to Universal Studios and got hired there as costume shop foreman. However, it may sound like it's easy now, but it was rough getting there. It was very rough getting there. And I was probably a lot skinnier than I am now. And it's true. Starving arts. If you don't know anybody, I went to Western Costume. Here's a good story for you. He said, who sent you? And I said, what do you mean who sent me? I said, a friend told me you had an opening, and so I'm here. And he said, well, no, who sent you? And, and I'm thinking, what are you asking me? And he goes, no, do you have a, a, do you have a, a father, an uncle, an aunt, someone in the industry? And I said, no, just somebody told me there was an opening. And he just waved his hand and said, go talk to her. And he pointed to someone in the corner. Well, she totally gave me the brush off. So it was one of those go home in tears. But as time would pass 
I was working for one of the designers for all my children. And I was uh, able to work on Nickelodeon for kids for a summer. And here this phone call comes in. And it's this, I don't know if I could say his name or not, but anyway, Steve Loomis. And the same guy that gave me the brush off and sent me home in tears like I was just a nobody. The low, lowest thing. Can you come and work on Michael Jackson's wardrobe? We heard you were good and we need somebody. And really, unfortunately, I was so tied up with Nickelodeon, I couldn't. You know, you start early in the morning and you leave maybe 9 or 10 at night. So there was no way I could even squeeze it in. But I would have loved to have done that. But the same man that sent me away a year later is, is literally like begging me, can you come? We really need someone. You were good. So what, what year did this happen where he was calling you to work with Michael Jackson? Do you remember what year that was? I don't remember the year because I never thought I would be doing as much as I have or even get where I was going. It was in the 80s, I can tell you that, maybe the mid-80s. So, do you think, would you think it was after Thriller? I think it might have been right around that time when he was still wearing his really outrageous costumes. And that's, up, that's right up my alley. I like fantasy. I like music. That would have been fabulous. But, you know, sometimes life happens and I can't desert my designer because then you get a bad reputation too and then nobody wants to use you. So what do you think it was about what you were doing that made this guy who initially gave you the brush off, it's like, go away, you nobody, because you don't, you, you, you don't even have any nepotistic connections <laughs> to working for me, and then he comes after you. What do you think changed? My name got out there, and that's what it takes, knowing people and your name to get out there. Oh, I know so-and-so. She's really good and reliable. And, you know, I've worked with this person before. So that's the kind of thing you need. You need to make your connections. And when did you, what, what was it that took you out of Hollywood? Like, how long would you say you were doing what you were doing in L.A.? Gosh, I was there 20-something years, but it took me several years to get deeply involved, you know, in anything that was really great with movie stars. It took me a while to get there because, like I say, you have to get your name out there. So I did that for quite a lengthy time. Um, then you have marriage and kids, and then you move and things like yeah, that. Yeah, life happen. gets in the way. Yeah, life gets in the way. So I became a stay-at-home mom. But boy, what a ride. That was, that was fabulous. At least I, I would have never thought that. You know, when you're, going, you're a kid and you're going through high school and everyone makes you feel like you're nothing. Man, just ignore those people because you, whatever you want to do, and I'm telling you, you dream it and you do it. It will come. That's, uh, that definitely is the way this industry works. Well, um, Dimitri, thank you so much for joining me here on User Friendly. We'll catch up later to see uh, what's happening with the swindlers. Yes. All right, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, wonderful interview. As always, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. You know, any of us that have used computers, I, I mean, I'm sure this applies to most people, and if it doesn't, you're lucky, have run into stuff where we've lost information either due to mechanical failure or some kind of an accident or mistake, 
And at the end of the day, your files can't be replaced. You know, we've run into things. I know, Gretchen, you've written stuff and I've created source code. Jeremy, you've done graphics and Bill, you've done stuff with your things too. Or if you lose a file, there's just no way to get it back. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's just, it's just part of the thing. But what if this loss was valued at $176 million? And this is our Tech Wednesday this week. This is an interesting story. It comes out of the UK. And this is the real deal. What happened is, is we have a gentleman that a number of years ago mined 8,000 Bitcoin. Okay, so even at today's value with the crash and everything that's happened, that's still worth around $176 million. And in that time, he had two hard drives that were identical, and he had set them side by side. One he was going to keep the, with the Bitcoin on it, the other one he was going to throw away, and he threw away the wrong drive. So this happened 11 years ago, and he is now in the process of wanting to get it back by searching the dump. Yeah, good now, luck. Wow. <laughs> And he has come up with a viable, at least it looks like viable, $75,000 plan to do this, which is worth the investment. In fact, he's raised the money for it using online fundraising sites. Mm -hmm. And the idea here is that he wants to get into this dump that was thrown away in 2013 uh, out of Newport, Wales. And he wants to get in there and search through everything. Now, the dump, the people that run the uh, the site are not real keen about this because of the fact that he's going to be digging through a lot of stuff and moving things around. It could cause environmental problems and kind of upset the apple cart, so to speak there. But at the end of the day, you know, what amount of money makes it worthwhile? Now, the other question that I have to ask on this is if you have a computer component that's been outside for over 10 years, yeah. that could cause problems as well, right? No, so, well, this, I, if this, it's this, this, no, it, it's, it's not going to be there. No. Yeah. You know, it just, it is. Well, anyway, here's what he's planning. He is buying two spot dogs from Boston Dynamics. Oh, good. He has a business plan uh, put together. So the spot dogs are the $75,000. The whole price of the endeavor is actually $11 million. And go in and try to recover <laughs> this hard drive. Talk about a needle in a haystack type scenario. Wow. And uh, go through and deal with this. He's also wanting to bring in AI and a number of other things like that, and see if they will allow him to do that. You know, it, and, during this whole process, he should probably do something useful, like if there's recyclables, pull them out. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah, my other like problem, yeah. is that a lot of these dumps do that, at least in the United States. They will go through every, like, five years after things have burned down uh, chemically, and they will recycle these landfills and that's the other problem is it's an aluminum hard drive casing if it's in a true dump with food and other stuff those acids and stuff have just devastated that hard drive casing there is no hard drive there shouldn't be yeah it's yeah, all it's, the way around it's just like i know if i leave a computer component sitting in the sun it can burn it out you know much less much less something like this well his first thing that he is up against is actually even getting into the dump newport city council has denied his requests on this a couple of times. The spokesman said that nothing that he could present to us will convince him to let him access the site. His proposals pose significant ecological risk, which we cannot mm -hmm. accept and indeed are prevented from considering by the terms of our permit. So that's why he's trying to put together this business plan or anything like that. I guess if you go far enough, he could just buy the dump 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the next question is, is does the dump have medical waste in it? Well, well yeah, there's be, all kinds of things. It's bad. just bad. Well, you see, my, my, my very first question is, is, okay, so he throws it out. It goes to the dump. Did anybody who was working at the dump see it and say, hey, I want a hard drive? Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, you it don't could already this. be it's, gone. Yeah, that like, could not have been there. The thing of it is, is I think that, like Bill said, that's the only way that this piece of equipment would even still exist is if someone picked it up. And if they did, it's yeah. not in the dump, right? So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely hmm. an interesting thing. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, the guy's name is James Howells. And, mm-hmm. um, you, know, you know, I wish the best to him because if he could somehow pull this off, other than the fact that it would be absolutely amazing just from mm-hmm. the sheer, you know, finding something like a needle in a haystack type thing like this, it, it is worth quite a bit of money. And it's still, even with the lower values, you know, $176 million, That's a that's a coffee at a popular chain. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Last week was Comic-Con International in San Diego. This is a big event. Uh, we haven't been in a couple of years. We got to check it out a couple of times, and then uh, we've been covering it by remote since the pandemic started. I'm hoping maybe we can get back to this one next year. It's kind of a big deal to get down there, but it is a lot of fun, and it's kind of the central point of all of this kind of stuff. And a lot of things were announced this year. It was kind of good to see it back in person, and Jeremy and Gretchen, I'm going to pass this over to you. What did you think of what you saw online? Um, I saw I, I looked up a bunch of the movie trailers, which I thought would be fun to see. And um, one of the ones that they um, were showing was the Shazam um, movie, the new one. And that looked like a lot of fun. I, I, I liked the first one and um it looked pretty good did you did you watch that yeah, one too? yeah shazam fury of the gods looks like it should be pretty exciting yeah um then the next one i took a peek at was black adam which looks very very exciting yes <laughs> well i mean anytime you get the you know shazam and i don't know if shazam's actually going to be in it or not but black adam is a is a horrifying character in the comic book so this should be really cool <laughs> no, I mean it's, um, it's amazing. It's amazing to see the movie theaters. Marvel came out with something they're calling Phase Five yeah, of yeah. their cinematic universe, and I think there's what 14 movies they talked about in the next two years that are coming out. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there's going to be them. a lot. So yeah. we'll see if we can cover that one. Uh, let's <laughs> see if we're if we're sticking on the Marvel thread. Um, uh, she Hulk looks like good fun. Uh, you know, when I first thought about it, it's like, eh. but when I saw the trailer, sometimes. You know, you can tell by the trailer if something's going to draw you in and it's going to be good fun. And I think She-Hulk looks like it's going to be good fun. Uh, they well, also showed. What? I was just going to say, it's nice to see maybe some good movies coming out. I know there's two new yeah. Avengers movies being talked about, too. And, you know, so uh, this stuff's all kind of cool. Now, Jeremy, you were saying you covered this kind of from a more broad perspective. What did you think? Uh, well, okay, see, I get stuck in all the stuff that gets released that you guys care nothing about, like all the toys and the, and the comic book stuff and, you know, all the, the super deluxe things you can only get at Comic-Con. And there's like massive lists of all the things you could only get there. 
that's now available on eBay for like 10 times what you paid for it at Comic-Con. Yeah, well, that seems to be the thing. But I don't know that it's I don't care about. I think it's usually the price of these things that yeah. makes it a little bit unattainable. What, what are some of the things that came out this year? What are some of the exclusives? Well, so, okay, so you got uh, like some super cool new action figures. You got uh, things that were announced from Lego that's only going to be available once the movies arrive. But you got to look at them while you were there. Um, really cool stuff that's coming out for um, Avatar. The you know the the blue aliens. Oh, yeah, the Lego set. Yeah, so yeah those look there's, cute. Uh, some new aliens <laughs> Lego sets for them. There's new action figures for Transformers, Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles. There's video games set that you can buy that includes all of the Ninja Turtles video games. So you want to play it on your PlayStation Four, you can get the get that set. It's kind of like you know all the weird weird things, and you know since we weren't there, we weren't able to see all the physical stuff, but you know, sometimes they include slides and whatnot. And so it's just going to be massive. Then they also uh, showed a trailer for black Panther Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that trailer, it was, it was visually, it was amazing. I mean, Do we you, know how you they're watched, recasting that, that yet. I don't think they're replacing him. I no. think they're okay. replacing him with her. Or actually, that would make a lot more sense because like, that would be an awfully difficult it, character. It I don't even like think you they should. might be replacing him with a sister or something. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is that who it is? As far as I know. Because I don't remember all the names of all the characters, but it looked beautiful. And it looked like it could be extremely emotional, too, because we all right. know, you know he, he passed away. And it was like, oh, I took him away way before his time. Right, know? right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and he was Uh, that character. I mean, there's no question about it. It's like, you know, trying to redo some of that stuff just is impossible. So I'm glad to hear they're not actually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Then there was a Dungeons and Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves, that looked like it would be fun to watch. Yes. Uh, That's live action, not cartoon. Uh, And then there were other things that they talked about, like um, Picard 3. Um, I. I had a hard time getting excited about the Star Trek stuff just because I don't really care for the Discovery series or the cartoon. And right, right. I was disappointed with some of that stuff. So, um, you know, maybe if you really liked uh, the new stuff, maybe you'll you'll enjoy that. And I, I had the same kind of lukewarm feeling towards the Ring of Power. They showed a trailer for that and it didn't pull me in. And um, right, right. it was like, I was wondering, well, where's Gandalf? Where's Elrond? And I didn't even recognize Lady Galadriel. No. I actually, uh, Jeremy watched it with me again, and he was able to, we were able to point out Lady Galadriel to me. And so it just didn't feel quite right to me. I, I don't know why, you know, maybe, maybe other people will like it. Jeremy, was there any more toys? Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of toys. There's uh-huh. just, stuff that gets announced that's like in the, going to be showing up, and um, you know, there's new fig, new Star Wars black figures that are the the six inch size. Mm-hmm. All the stuff from the Mandalorian with um, Luke and his Jedi cloak, and a new a new uh, Grogu figure. You know, yeah, is me like really tiny. Yeah, I saw that. Um, that was cute. <laughs> there's the the Republic security droids, mm-hmm. and there's a Migs Mayfeld one where he's got all his guns and everything. So you know. There's lots of lots of things coming that's going to be exciting. All the the new video games, the new movies, the and TV apparently, series. Uh, was it uh, William Shatner took a pot shot at Star yeah, Wars? Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> but, not going to go over so well. But you know, no. Uh, but you I never, did you know. see. <laughs> but apparently, he's doing voicing with Mark Hamill 
on the the, he, the, the, the new He-Man, He-Man the He-Man yeah. series. Gee, and I okay, wonder who Mark Hamill's doing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that could be the bad guy. Be a stretch to figure that one out. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> who else would so, we no, do? That, you know, we'll have to check this out next year. Hey, one of the other things that's interesting is Comic Con actually runs a Comic Con museum. And this is something that's opened up recently. It's also down in San Diego. It runs year-round, uh, daily 10 to 6 usually. They have a few blackout dates and some things like that. But this is one thing that I do want us to check out and cover on the show later yeah. this year. I'd love um, to it's see a that. lot of fun. They have a lot of the just various different things that we all like. And they've done it in a way where it really is a, a museum. I mean, Spider-Man was inducted last month into their Hall of Fame. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. Send us your questions. Send us your comments. 503-766-6264 is the phone number. One user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or userfriendlyshow.com. We can also be found live stream when we air at theanswerportland.com on our home station. So this segment has become our de facto movies, television, that kind of a thing. And I know the <laughs> Orville series, uh, which is something I really liked. Uh, you know, Hale, what is it? Avis, Argus, uh, Hertz, Avis. Uh, anyway. Avis. Avis, okay. Yeah, um, has uh, <laughs> been put back into production after being on hiatus for a while. And I have not seen it yet, but you have. What do you think of it? Um, they've really... They stepped up. Stepped up massively. The, um, the, the, the models have gotten better. The sets have gotten better. The costuming has gotten better. The writing has gotten better. Everything. Everything is awesome. It's like they just just really just went hardcore, making it massively, I mean, all around better. I mean, I would say that this, if you're a Star Trek fan and you miss um, old Star Trek, original Star Trek, and Next Generation and some of those time ones, um, watch the Orville. Mm-hmm. That might so it be. sounds like you. It sounds like you hated it. Um, no. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to check this out. I know I like the yeah. series, and it was really good in the in the time that I did see it. And so they're taking it a step up. So what is it? They started to get into kind of these stories that meant something and had mm-hmm. you know, that is the way the, old, the original Star Trek was written. There yeah. was a lot of social issues or problems. What do you want to call it? And um, the Orville is beautifully dealing with these things. And they're not stereotyping or grossly pegging people into notches. You don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. And it it seems very almost organic and natural, some of the characters, how things have happened. So have they kept the same characters for the most part? Yes. Yeah. They've they've added a new uh, navigator. Uh, who I can't remember her name, unfortunately. And they did have to get rid of the super strong girl for whatever reason, and so they yeah, have the yeah, new she gal. Got re- she got replaced by another girl. Yeah, and she's great. Two. And yeah. she, the new gal's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It, it all works out. The The plot lines are better. The episodes are longer. Uh, so it's like like the last episode we watched was 90 minutes. Right. It's almost, right. Like, it's almost like a movie. <laughs> like a movie. And that is something you can do with, with over-the-air or not over-the-top broadcasts like that is you don't have the time limits anymore. You don't have to fit right. into a slot. 
So you can go longer or shorter based on what's needed. So that is, that's really cool. We'll check it out. I believe this is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard a rumor it might be on some other platforms eventually, but right now it's on Netflix. So definitely something maybe worth keeping the subscription for finally on that end. All right. Next month is August. Black Hat, August 10th and 11th. Emerald City, August 18th and 21st. We're going to be at both of them. Until then, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirdTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.